This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Going to talk twins here in a little bit. You guys, I got Megan Ryan on the show today. I, I wish under better circumstances. This is like two shows in a row where she's come on and they've been absolutely miserable um, right before her appearance. They are 12 and 23 right now. Um, Any way you slice it, that's not good. Uh, but that happens to be the worst record in baseball now. Uh, the swept by the White Sox. The Tigers, I believe, swept the Royals in the same time span. So the Tigers are now a game ahead of the Twins. And uh, nobody else in the majors is worse than that. So that is something the Twins are wearing right now as they come home for you know, some other tough home games now against Oakland and, again, the White Sox. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll talk to Megan Ryan, Twins beat writer, about that in just a minute. But first, what did I miss? Well, the wild playoff matchup is set. Um, we've been waiting for, for a long time to figure out who, you know, where they're going to slot in, who they're going to play, what the more favorable matchup is. And, you know, the Wild finished their, they finished their regular season on, uh, on Thursday night, a game that didn't matter at all to them. A weird game. They got up to a three, nothing lead, um, at St. Louis, which also didn't have anything to play for other than, you know, momentum going into the playoffs and St. Louis, you know, been really good lately. Um, the team that's even though they're the four seed, you got to take them seriously as well because I think I looked it up. They're like nine, three, and two um, in their last fourteen games against Minnesota, Colorado, and Vegas, and a lot of that damage done against the Wild because uh, they played a lot of games against them late in the season. Um, but that game didn't matter much, right? That didn't matter in the seeding at all. It was just a you know seven three though because St. Louis scores all seven of its goals kind of consecutively after the Wild jumped out of that three nothing lead. But the big game on uh, on Thursday was was, was Colorado going to beat LA, which it seemed likely given that LA was you know just wants this season over, and it, it was it was a kind of a, it turned out to be a route five to one. So what that means now is Colorado wins the division. They leapfrog Vegas on the last day. Vegas falls down to the number two seed. Wild as the number three seed will open the playoffs at Vegas 2 p.m. Sunday, uh, best of seven series. And, you know, we've talked about this with Sarah McClellan on the show before, but Vegas certainly the more, at least on paper and at least based on results this season, the more favorable matchup. Neither neither Colorado nor Vegas is an easy matchup. Um, they're both, you know, way up there in points percentage, as the Wild is too. The Wild's way up there in the NHL in points percentage too. Like in a normal year, you know, if we just give the Wild the same points percentage, even though they probably, you know, earned it by beating up on the teams that were below them in the division in the strange schedule, they would have been a top four seed in a normal season um, based on their points percentage and would have gotten, you know, probably into one of those home home eye situations. But they start on the road. Vegas, though, a team they've played well this year. They're five and three against Vegas this season, including four and one in games decided in regulation. You know, there's a few a few other games that went to overtime shootouts, and in those games obviously will be different in the playoffs. No uh, no three on three, no shootout in the playoffs. You play till someone scores, you know, kind of the old the old fashioned way. Um Three of those four wins for the Wild in the regular season, uh, in regulation though, were were one goal wins. So this this could be a good this could be a good close series. I really think so. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. I think Vegas probably comes in with a slight edge just because they have the home ice, because they've got the playoff experience um, as this group to to go in and do it. But this is certainly a matchup the Wild can win. 
and so it, it's a it sets up a weird kind of dynamic where you 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 look at it on paper you're like okay this they have a realistic chance of winning this series so is it a disappointment if they don't and it's it's going to be an interesting way interesting to see how it gets framed if they lose um I, I don't i'm not saying they're going to lose i think they have a like like i said i think they have a real chance of winning this series and i think there's a real chance once they get past this series if they do that they could go even further because a, you get the momentum from winning a series. B, I don't think it's a slam dunk that you know Colorado or St. Louis emerges from that series. So if, if it's St. Louis, even though the Wilds had trouble against the Blues this year, Wild would have home ice for that series, would have some momentum going. And even if it is Colorado, the Wild played Colorado better as the season went along. So the chance for a playoff run, it's about all you can ask for. Kirill Kaprizov, get to see him in the playoffs Get to see, you know, fans in the stands, at least, uh, you know, in a limited capacity for this postseason series. Looking forward to it. It's just fun to have real playoff hockey back. Low expectations for the Wild going into this season. And all of a sudden, look at where they are right now. I got to talk about the Wolves a little bit, too. Um, they played Denver on uh, on Thursday night. And, you know, the Wolves have been playing a bunch of games in a row that didn't necessarily matter all that much. You know, they played Orlando and Detroit, two teams that are you know on the opposite end of the spectrum of of the playoffs. Denver, though, a team that has a lot to play for, even though they rested Michael Porter Jr. on uh, on Thursday, you know, because they've got some other games down the stretch they're trying to prepare for. Nikola Jokic was in there, um, you know, plenty of other you know plenty of other good players uh, in, in the mix as well. Aaron Gordon was in there, uh, Javale McGee, and those three kind of exposed the flaw that still exists on this roster that the, that the Wolves just don't have all that much size down low. And, you know, Carl Honey Towns kind of got shoved around a little bit on, on Thursday night's game, kind of got, you know, he kind of got upset. He, he kind of took him out of the game emotionally. And this happens still to Towns. This is one of my biggest concerns about Towns is his, not his leadership. I think he's, he's got that leadership piece off the court, but in games, I think he still has a lot to work on in terms of his maturity, in terms of how he reacts to adversity. And I don't think he reacted well to adversity in Thursday's game. Um, Anthony Edwards was great. He, he's been great lately. He's been the, their most efficient player in a lot of games. But, you know, Towns in his matchup with Jokic goes 6 for 18, gets 20 points, 11 rebounds. So the counting stats look okay at the end of the day, but Jokic winds up with. Now, 31 points, 14 rebounds on 14 of 21 shooting. And that's, that's the difference in the game in a 114-103 loss. Um, so so there you go. That's that's just, you know, they they don't have the size. You know, when they're playing, you know, you're playing a lot of Jaden McDaniel still at the four sometimes, even Jared Vanderbilt, you know, not not the size to, to contend with a Jokic and a JaVale McGee and an Aaron Gordon um, when, when your front line is, is more. Your front line is the starting front line is Jared Vanderbilt, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards Edwards was checking um, Aaron Gordon a lot, and that's just not a fair size matchup. Maybe it works for maybe it works for Ant in terms of quickness on the other end of the floor, but you're going to get swallowed whole on the offensive glass as they did because McGee and uh, and Jokic had 11 combined offensive rebounds. So it just reinforces the need to address power forward in the offseason and you know frankly for towns to take another step forward when it comes to maturity because if they want to be the team they they think they can be this is the kind of game they're going to play next season games that mean something games that matter against good teams and they need to be in a better position to win those games than they were on thursday night 
I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Megan Ryan covers the Twins back here on Daily Delivery. Megan, we got to stop meeting like this because I believe the last time you were on, it was after that road series in Oakland, um, which we thought was going to be maybe a low point in the season. Surprise! Um, things have continued to get uh, maybe perhaps even worse, swept by the White Sox, 12-23, and 23, 10 games back of first place. Wow. Uh, don't know uh, Don't know what else to say except not not great, Megan. What uh, What can you tell me about this series and, and where where things stand for this team that uh, I, don't even, I don't even know where to begin, but 12 and 23. How, how is the first of all, how is the postgame mood? And would you even know? Because apparently, like you told me, they really only make Rocco Baldelli and the starting pitcher uh, from the game available after the game, which to me is ridiculous. But that's 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 my fight. Uh, that's my fight right now, not yours. Rand Ball, media columnist for the Star Tribune. Right? This is ridiculous. Uh, I, mean, we, these, I mean, you leave how many runners on base? And we don't get to hear from any of the batters. I mean, it's fine. Rocco can speak for it. That's fine. But it's just, uh, I I think that's in a normal season, you would have a lot more people available to you. And I think that's, that's a little disingenuous to only have that many people come out. But anyway, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's, I mean, a, that's, a, that's a media gripe. Um, what it's a tangent, but yeah. it's inside baseball, but this is baseball. So it is. talk about inside baseball. It is. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. It's tough to read the room when you only have Rocco and the starting pitcher, because um, you know, Rocco tries to address everything. I guess his job is, is the manager. Like he's supposed to kind of speak for the team, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he, he's just such a nice guy that he is never going to throw anyone under the bus or really kind of allude to any strong feelings about something, which is his prerogative. Like I think that makes sense. If I were a manager, I would probably do the same thing. So I can't really knock him for that. Um, but then you're really asking like Mike Pineda, like, yo, your team, like you can't score even though you have nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, so it's, it is hard. Um, and it's especially hard to read any kind of mood or sense of frustration when it's all over zoom. Right. Cause you know, they can tell you, yeah, we're frustrated, which like, I guess anybody with a brain could probably assume that. Um, but you don't really get to see, like, it's not like when we could go into the clubhouse and you could see guys like, you know, running out of there with their bags, trying to just get out of the park as fast as they could, or just like sitting in their locker despondent. Like, I don't know, you just don't get to see that stuff. So it's hard. Um, but it's not good. I mean, they're not, they're not great. Uh, this has not been a good road trip. And I can only assume that it's my fault because my first road trip was not good. And this one certainly has not been good either. So maybe it's me. Uh, Phil had a pretty good road trip in Cleveland. I did. I have not had a good road trip yet. So maybe one day. I'm starting to think it's not you, uh, Megan. It seems like this problem goes deeper than just who is covering this team. Well, let me give you a little, let's do a little recap of the series for anybody who missed it. You know, the Monday, I uh, sorry, the Tuesday game, um, they had had two off days. Tuesday game is kind of a, a, a an all, all systems fail kind of thing where they, they start off up 3-0, um, have a nice beginning. You're thinking, okay, maybe this is going to be a turnaround point, but then Kenta Maeda gives it all back in the bottom half of the second, gets pulled after five, the bullpen falls apart, the offense can't score anymore. There you go. Um, Wednesday's game, 
offense does its job, but Jay Happ has his worst outing of the year. Bullpen adds a few more, and then it's 13-8, and there's your loss. So when a Thursday's game, it's kind of uh, – it's the, the pitching is is fine, I guess. Um, you know, you, you get you get through it at least. P- Pineda gets through five and change. The bullpen does an adequate job. But they leave all sorts of runners on base. Chicago's trying to gift them, you know, errors, pass balls, wild pitches, catcher's interference. Like any way you can get on base that's weird, the Twins are getting on base. But in the end, it's a 3-2 loss. And that, that that's kind of it. The only interesting thing really that happened, like we were talking about, you know, aside from – the losing is Nelson Cruz had a bucket on his head for a while. Did, do we have any, I know we didn't talk to Nelson Cruz um, or we weren't able to talk to Nelson Cruz. What, what's the bucket all about? Um, it was a cooler Rand, you uncultured Sorry. swine. Okay. Um, my, my bad. It's a cooler. <laughs> yes. The cooler. <laughs> it's a, it was an orange cooler. Um, yeah. I don't know. I saw him wear it. Well, like it was on the broadcast too. So people at home probably saw it as well, but he, like sometime in the fourth inning, I think this was after Larnock had scored um, from like when, when Kepler reached on one of those errors. Um, so they were down two to one at the time. And then all of a sudden, like you look at, at the dugout, Nelson Cruz is like a cooler on his head, like a Gatorade cooler that I assume like was filled with uh, like sports drinks and then an ice. I don't really, unless it was empty. I'm not sure why you'd have that at the dugout, but he took it and emptied it out and put it on his head uh, as a hat. I'm not really sure. Uh, but when I asked Rocco about it after the game, he said, you know, he alluded to like, you know, they've done things in the past that have spurred them, which like, I assume is talking about like the 2020 robes, if anybody remembers the Josh Donaldson robes, the the Josh Donaldson robes, those are big. And so I think this was like Nelson's attempt of like trying to uh, do something dumb and spur his team to greatness. Um, it didn't quite work out. For him i think they loaded the bases in that after he had done that but then obviously didn't bring anyone home because they were oh for 10 i think with runners in scoring position this game yeah. so left 12 on so it didn't it didn't work but you know tune in on friday to see what nelson cruz puts on his body next that may or may not help the twins win well they you know they, they've clearly not given up you know you can see evidence of you know a fight in this team. So you, you sense that they still believe to a certain degree, but I got to say, I saw a tweet. I think it was a baseball reference tweet, a stat head tweet history at this point is not on their side. The tweet was basically in the wild card era, you know, which is since 1995. So we're talking about a quarter century of history. Now only one team that has started this poorly through 35 games has, has made the playoffs has made the postseason, And that was the 2005 Astros who actually, Went to the World Series, so if that's the that's the good news, uh, the bad news if you're a Twins fan is that Astros team had Craig Biggio and a starting uh, three starting pitchers named Roy Oswalt, Roger Clemens, and Andy Pettit. So um, no slander to Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, and Michael Pineda, but I don't know if the Twins front three is quite of that caliber. So the, the Houston Astros at that point had the rotation, had the lineup maybe to, to peel off winning streaks. I just don't see how this team as it's constructed right now will be able to put together the kinds of eight out of 10, seven out of nine, even, you know, five out of seven, that's going to kind of chip away at this deficit, but, but maybe it's just a matter of one at a time. I don't know. What, what do you think as you look out at this, the landscape of this team, what, where, where could that, where is there even a sign that there could be a turnaround? 
well, if you if you wanted to point to a sign, I mean, like, I guess you could look at Jorge Polanco. Um, obviously, he was some one of those guys that had a really good 2019 season and then kind of hasn't been very good since. But he's quietly the past several games. Like, I think he had a hit today, but I, he had a double today. Um, but I think the last four games before this game, he had like it was a multi-hit game um, for him, which is unusual for Jorge Polanco in, in, in the last year and a half or so. So he's been kind of quietly getting better or maybe getting out of his funk or maybe returning to that form. It's like a little bit too soon, but like, I mean, just from, from what I've seen these, these last couple of games, like it, it, he looks like when he comes up on base, like or comes up at the plate, like that he's going to do something with it. Um, so if that can happen, I mean, anything can happen. Like, right. If he can turn it around, then hypothetically, so can Kepler, so can um, Sano, uh, all of those kinds of guys. So that's like a semblance of, of hope, I guess. Um, I think another way, you know, Rafa said after the game, like, obviously it's frustrating and they know that it's wrong. Like they know that like losing is not good and how they're losing is not good. But they said multiple times that like, it's, it feels like it's a disconnect because it's not like they're just a horrible team and there's no hope for them. It's like, they can pitch well and they can hit well. They just don't ever do it at the same time. Or they maybe do like, like, mediocre pitching and mediocre hitting at the same time, but they can't get like all the good parts of their game to line up at one time, or, which or obviously do, is like, or they do everything all too well and they win like 15, nothing. And they waste it all in one game. But yeah, that's true. That has, that has happened like once or twice this season, I guess <laughs> it feels like a long time ago at this point. So like they have done it before, but it's like, they don't have any sense of consistency um, with that stuff. And I don't, I don't really know how you make those connections, right? Because your pitchers and your hitters are, entirely different people right so how do you put them on the same page and say can you please do this thing well while these people do these things well and like can we win a game so I I identify with the fact that that is hard and they're kind of at a loss for that um and Rocco has said like he doesn't like to keep hammering home to the to the players like what a hole they're in or how bad they're playing right now or what this might mean and you know, October, it's like, I, he doesn't think that that's helpful. So he tries to take it like that old cliche, one, one game at a time, one day at a time. Um, but there's also, I feel like a danger in that is that if you keep, you know, your head down and just look on to the next game, like you keep losing and all of a sudden you're going to look up in two months and be like, wow, we've lost like 20, 30 games or something in a row. So uh, that's, that's the danger of that thing, but it's, it's hard to measure because nobody likes to think about how bad they're doing um, all the time either. I don't think that is necessarily helpful. Um, an interesting thing that I was talking to Thad Levine, um, general manager a day or two ago uh, in Chicago here. And the way that he put it was like, you know, he doesn't think that the team is there yet when it comes to like, you know, saying like, let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's, right. it's, it's just a wash. Like they're not there yet, which is true. It's too early. But the way that he kind of thought of it was, you know, if you look ahead to say, like, let's even say we're, you know, projecting into like trade deadline times or whatever. And, you know, there's going to be if, if we were a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs, how many players do you think would be like really interested in uh, or how many teams do you think would be really interested in taking one of our players? And he was like, you could probably name like at least five or so, like a handful of guys like, yeah, like, you know, they would want him or they would want him like we could get something for him. And he was like, if that's the case, though, then you have to ask your question of if you have that many players, why aren't you a good team? Because you have all of those assets that other people would want that would help their championship team. So why can't you make your team a championship team? Which I think is a good point. Like they, And that is the 
the confounding part of this season is that they do have a lot of pieces that should be really good, but they're not. So why is that happening? I'm not sure they know the answer. And I certainly don't know the answer, uh, especially over Zoom. I'm not going to get that, that in-depth <laughs> stuff, but maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good point. I, I read the interview with with Thad Levine, general manager of the Twins, and it did, it did seem like what they're kind of counting on or hoping for at this point is that the, the track record of some of these players that they have that should suggest that things are going to improve, that you know a lot has gone wrong for a lot of players at once, whether it's performance, whether it's injury, whether it's even the forces beyond their control, you know, the COVID pause that, you know, probably interrupts some of their timings, you know, it affects their lineup, things like that. You know, they're, they're dealing with a lot of stuff this season that maybe kind of gets, there's a cumulative effect to it. That's, that's affecting performance. You know, that, that said, there's, you, there is kind of that fine line between not panicking, but also having this urgency where, you know, what, what's the, what's the track record what's the outlier versus what's the new reality so, you know, I, I do wonder kind of where they're kind of where their breaking point. I don't think 35 games is the breaking point. You don't, you know, a team that was supposed to be so much better that was, you know, not just in their own minds, but in, you know, projection systems in, you know, what, you know, what external, you know, national media thought of this team to be like a 90 to 95 win team when you're suddenly 12 and 23 you, you feel like you should be better and you're probably right about that. The, the big problem at this point is that even if you are a lot better in, you know, the next hundred and some games, you've got so much ground to make up now that it, it's going to be hard. You got to play, you got like very little margin for error at this point. So I will be interested to see, you know, if, and when they decide, okay, we're, we're turning this around. We want to give this even more time. We think we're on the right track versus, okay, this just ain't happening. And what's, you know, when do you then decide to, to kind of enter that, you know, that, that trade discussion? Cause I think you're right. There are some of those players that might be coveted, especially some of the pitchers they have on the staff that are, you know, veterans that are on, you know, last year of their deals that were intentionally kind of signed that way. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole conundrum of, of kind of where they go from here. And I, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of reinforcements because they've kind of used a lot of reinforcements already. Do they hint at all at, more are there any more triple a moves are they are they exploring you know any of trade reinforcements of their own even if they're minor deals or anything of that nature did, did thad levine address anything of that sort no not really i mean like they i mean the the move that happened today was they signed uh like everybody remembers that name you, you want a uh world series with the cardinals in 2011 they sent him to a minor league contract today so like who was that i, I, missed, that, I missed that name who was it uh, Descalso. You remember okay. him? Yeah, he was I on do. the uh, yeah. So he's like a utility guy. Um, so yeah, but uh, is he gonna play for the Twins? I don't. Well, considering they didn't sign him to the actual major league roster, I don't think so. Right. But maybe who's to say? So I mean, there's there's not a lot of reinforcements, right? Like the guys that you were looking for, it that could have been those like you know prospects coming up were like uh, Alex Kirloff who did come up, but then obviously now is injured and might be for, you know, a couple weeks more, hope like a month more. We don't really know. It's kind of unclear with his wrist injury. Um, and then you had, you know, Royce Lewis, but he's been out all season because he slipped on ice before his ACL. So like that, that knocked out your first guy. Um, and then they brought Trevor Larnock up uh, with, with Buxton hurt. 
Um, and he's not okay. I mean, actually, he got his first hit last night, and then he got another hit uh, today's game. And so he has no both doubles, so maybe he's coming on. But, you know, that, that, that's kind of it. So there's not a lot of people you can point to, and certainly pitching-wise, like they, I think actually Royce wrote a follow about that fairly recently that was all about how they don't have a ton of options um, to go to, and they've tried to. Like they've brought in, you know, Derek Waugh um, made his Twins debut, and and Sean Anderson made his Twins debut last night too, and it hasn't gone great for those kinds of guys either. So it's, it's a little tough. Yeah, not uh, not a lot of reinforcements on the way. They're kind of like you said, depending on kind of the, the internal candidates at this point, you know, the, 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 yeah, the weird thing is like you kind of said at the beginning, it's, it's, it feels like they can't get things to line up, you know, when they, it's not like they haven't had any starting pitching. I think the starters ERA is at least somewhere in the middle of, of the pack. You know, the, the bullpen has faltered at really key moments. They haven't got the clutch hitting. I think they're still getting outscored. Like this, the stat through the day was like 29 to four, in the ninth inning and 10th inning, maybe that was, maybe it's 29 five now. Cause didn't they score one in the ninth inning the other night? So, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're easy. You know, they, they chipped away at that a little bit, but just, you know, it, it, it does, it does feel like the, when of when things are happening is compounding a lot of this, their run differential is still, you know, close to even. So you can point to a lot of things that should say it could get better. It, it's just, it's, it's just hard to see it at this point. And, you know, a, a tough homestand they're coming home to. Maybe we'll leave with that thought. I mean, Oakland and then again, the White Sox, six games in a row here, not uh, not much rest, not much chance to, uh, you know, to to do anything except try to try to keep improving and, and see if they can get any kind of momentum against two really good teams. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough homestand. I mean, you're. Oakland's got right now, at least maybe it'll change, but they've got like the best record in baseball or they're tied for the best record in baseball right now. So like they're, they're doing well. Um, and obviously did well against the twins, uh, during that road trip, uh, a little while ago, Chicago, they just are coming off the suite from them. And now all of a sudden they got to turn around and face them again. So it's like very clear, like who's got whose number. <laughs> you don't really forget that in three days. So it's going to be a really hard, it's going to be a really hard homestand. And we've asked this, um, you know, a bit heading into the Chicago series of like, you know, even though it is May and it's only, you know, 35 games or whatever into the season, like, does this not feel like a pivotal stretch because you're going into like 10 games against these, these American league juggernauts that you were supposed to be up with. Um, and so if you don't take a couple of these games from them, like how big does that make the gap as you head into the rest of the year? And like, it's, it sounds yeah, kind of ridiculous to say that it could, you know, make or break the season at this point. But it's some, in some ways, it does kind of feel like that because if they can't take them off now, I mean, you hope that the ebbs and flows of the season and that there's teams that are really hot right now, and then you know they'll kind of fade away, and then you know teams like the Twins will make a resurgence. That can happen. But if it doesn't, if it just keeps trending like it has, then that's that's not it's not great. So it's going to be a very interesting home series. But I maybe you know when they're back home they're back comfortable they've you know got home fans and they have more fans coming into the stands here in the next couple weeks too so maybe all of that makes some kind of shift can't get much worse but we keep saying that well megan ryan good stuff thanks for joining daily delivery maybe the next time we talk we'll be talking about something other than utter disappointment and failure from a road trip (laughs) but i appreciate you joining nonetheless and uh and take care we'll see you down the road all right thanks rand
Let's end with the cooler. Vikings traded Mike Hughes, 2018 first round pick, cornerback. You know, injuries beset his career here. It was a kind of a marginal trade, even with with Kansas City getting a slightly better pick, a sixth round draft pick. Vikings sending out a seventh round draft pick while also trading Mike Hughes to Kansas City. Last year of his rookie deal, didn't pick up his fifth year option, didn't figure to be part of their plan going forward. So just a disappointment. And this, now I wanted to leave it with this note that they don't have any of their first round picks now from 2015 to 2018 on their roster anymore. 2015 was Trey Waynes, not on the roster anymore. Um, signed with the, the Cincinnati in free agency a year ago, 2016. Uh, that was Laquan Treadwell, uh, you know, definitely a need at that time with wide receiver, but a, a player that never panned out, you know, labeled a bust at a certain point. He's trying to get back in the league at this point. 2017, they didn't have a pick because they traded it in the uh, in the Sam Bradford deal. Sam Bradford, obviously not here. So if you're considering that the equivalent, he's not here anymore. And then now Ike Hughes, 2018. So if you're looking for a reason why the why the Vikings roster has some holes right now, there it is. Four four years in a row, not that long ago, that they no longer have their first round draft pick. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. That'll do it for the week. As a matter of fact, we'll be back next week. Lots of good stuff. Going to be doing a lot of wild playoff talk for sure. I'm sure we'll have Sarah McClellan on maybe more than once to talk about that series with Vegas as it continues. Plenty more good stuff to come as well. Thanks for listening all week, and we will catch you again on Monday. Thank <laughs> you.